You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, uh, joined once again by my esteemed executive editor. Wow, we, uh, we have an uh, alliteration now for you, John. Uh, John Dixon, who uh, joins me, got a, a new title, uh, still an editor, which means you can still stay on the editor's show. But uh, like I said, uh, executive editor. Now we got some alliteration to it, which is nice. Well, uh, I'll try and uh, do my best to be a fine executive officer. That's the way mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, as being the executive officer. The way show. I'm looking at it is I'm one for one on the editor show, because I know at some point I'm going to be distracted one day, and I'm going to say the, <laughs> the D word again. <laughs> I'm trying to do my best not to. Uh, tough night uh, Tough night for, for the Chiefs as we open up this uh, editor show. They drop a game to the Buffalo Bills, 20-17. to 17. And uh, as it turned out, you know, I always try to look at it from outside looking in a little bit too. John, biases aside, this was a pretty good football game, and it was weighed down by this situation at the end that involved the officials. We're of course going to talk about it, but I, I sometimes think that when one thing happens in a game and it sort of decides it at the end, and there's all this controversy, it kind of takes away from what uh, was a good night of football. This was a back and forth contest. The Chiefs buried themselves out of a 14-0 hole. They looked like they were in a position to win the game. And now uh, a lot of talk about something other than the game, which I I don't know, to me is always a frustrating part of it. Well, you know, it's very much like uh, the 2018 AFC championship game in that respect that also ended with a, you know, an offsides call that was controversial for whatever reason, but another game that had been very exciting up to that point. And we kind of forget that now because of what happened on, on that last play. And, you know, the Chiefs had it in hand at that point, up to that play. And um, unlike, well, I guess that was the case on Sunday, too. Um, but it, I, do, I do have one question about, though. Did, was, was, did D. Ford know that he could check with the, the official on the sideline? Before the snap, <laughs> D Ford, I think during that moment didn't know where he was. I mean, it should have been anywhere at that stage. That that could be. Uh, what a shame uh, that the the game had to end that way. Both of those games uh, had to end that way, bringing up some some worse memories. I think uh, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but we'll get into that situation. Andy Reid did talk on Monday. As always, you can listen to that full press conference it's available right now on from the podium but we will play the highlights right here on the editor show we'll have our world famous marinated takeaways a brief round table we'll bring in steve for a segment and then we'll wrap up with some snap count takeaways from john and then get into our current odds versus the new england patriots but first we do have two reviews in and the first one i just lost it so give me one second here 
The first one is from Chief of the Rockies, and uh, he asked, uh, what's the chance that Eric Bieniemy makes a return to the team, assuming Washington cleans house as expected, as a running back coach or another type of offensive assistant next year? This would be a similar boomerang back to the team like Nagy made as a quarterback coach after his firing in Chicago. Uh, seems logical, but it also assumes EB doesn't get another coordinator opportunity elsewhere. I I think it took a long time for the enemy to get out of this situation under Andy Reid. And uh, though I am wondering what happens in Washington, some have said that it, there's a chance that maybe the enemy could be promoted to that coach. I mean, who knows? It's a new ownership there. So a little bit hard to predict, but I, I think he remains a coach in the league. Regardless, I would tend to, if I had to guess, say that I don't think that would be happening in Kansas City. I think once you get out of an annoying shadow, you're not probably rushing to come back to that annoying shadow, John. I would tend to agree with that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot depends on how, you know, Matt Nagy is viewed within the organization, right. you know, outside of of Andy Reid. You know, what does Clark Hunt think? What does Clark Hunt really think of Eric Bieniemy? I mean, there's some factors there that we really don't know about, really. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that um, typically you wouldn't expect somebody to come back to a situation after you'd spent years. Well, I, I just think say it's, trying to get away from it, trying to advance, yeah. you know, I think it's a little different with Nagy and what you're describing, because Nagy was away for years, plural. Right. This is right. The enemy's mm-hmm. first opportunity to, to get away from it. And though it hasn't worked out. With Ron Rivera in Washington, I do wonder if he gets that opportunity. And I I just think he's going to be seeking a similar one. I don't think he would come back to the Chiefs and then all of a sudden he's in this mix where is it Eric Bieniemy? is it Matt Nagy, is it Andy Reid that has the impact in the offense? I think he'll try to find himself a better situation that could lead to to better things down the line. But we'll see. I mean, anything's possible. Things have surprised me in the NFL before. This one came actually through the email uh, from Brian. Not sure uh, if you'll read this on the air later today for the editor show because uh, I don't have an iTunes account to leave a review. But if this somehow counts, I'll say the editor show is my favorite Chiefs podcast. The calm voice from Pete and John on a Monday following a loss makes the loss less painful. Well, do I have some news for you? The Chiefs lost a miserable, <laughs> in a miserable fashion on Sunday. So we will be with you for the next, I would say, 50 minutes or so. Let's get into uh, some of the the... the very popular therapy that we provide, John, and start with Andy Reid. So we all know about this situation. If you're listening to this podcast, you're all aware of what happened at the end of the game. You're probably also aware of the commentary after the game from Andy Reid to Patrick Mahomes just having a lot of dissatisfaction with Kadarius Tony and being offsides offensively and how the referees did not provide any warning before calling this and just called it and how they felt like this was a situation where it's out of the norm of what you expect in the NFL. There's the other side of it where Tony was clearly offsides. And I think Bill's fans have been leaning into to that part of it. There's also another aspect of now the chiefs are complaining about the timing when, you know, you can make a case that maybe that holding call shouldn't have happened with the championship of the NFL on the line last year and the chiefs benefit. So there's so many layers to, what happened uh if we're simplifying it there was a penalty uh, that cost the chiefs the game because travis kelsey made one of the wildest plays you would ever see throwing the ball across the field rugby style back to tony and him scoring called back because of offsides which hasn't really been a penalty uh 
that Andy Reid has seen over his 20 years, but has been a point of emphasis for officials, it, it seems like, this year. And it hit the Chiefs at the worst possible time. Anyway, Andy Reid called the referees an embarrassment last night. And here he was this morning, a little bit calmer this time around. Here was his very long opening statement. So bear with us. Here's Andy Reid. I had a chance to go back through the tape and evaluate it. We, uh, like I mentioned to the team, there's some there's some good things in there um, that uh, that are going to help us. We're getting better in some spots, uh, but we've got to clean up some things uh, with the penalties and drops, and so uh, offensively, and then um, obviously the scores early uh, on the defensive side. We've got to take care of that. So. You know, we're not we're not playing from behind there. So but some of that also was turnovers uh, on the offensive side and and that added up to it. So with that, um, I I know what I said about the officials yesterday or uh, insinuated about the officials. Um, uh, Listen, there are no there are no excuses on this thing. Um, I, I, you know, that's not what we're what I'm saying. And. I've always had a good working relationship with these guys and that's the important part. So they know when they tell me something with a guy that I'm going to go address the guy like right now and make sure that it, it gets changed when, when you're talking about inches, you know, those type of things. And those, those happen in the game. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So this isn't an excuse or a blame on the officials for blowing the game. That's not what it is, but it's that working relationship. That part is so important in this thing. And so, because you can see it, you see it on both sides, you know, whether it's a defensive end lining up in, a, in the neutral zone at times or, or that, just you give the head coach a heads up. And then in our case, uh, we get them, we, we tell them. And then if they get called, listen, that's, uh, that's you know, they, they you were warned. And so that's how it's worked over the years. That, that's what I was really uh, really trying to get across. Um, and I, I, I take a lot of pride in taking what the officials give me and, and going to our players and telling them, like immediately telling them and, and giving them that and telling them that, Hey, listen, they're giving you a warning. If you don't do it, that's on your, on your plate. And that's the important part that I was trying to get across, but probably not very well after the game. So, Anyways, with that, um, uh, we've got to do better uh, just all the way around. And um, that's that's what we're striving for. But at the same time, we're getting better. Uh, and it's so close, it's it's crazy. So, and I think the guys, they they, they understand what, what, what we've got to get done. So I, I thought this was somewhat surprising. I don't I really know what to expect in the press conference today. You know, I, I thought it could have been maybe a a doubling down that we've seen in previous games when the Jawan Taylor situation. I, I thought it could be a complete tracking back, walk back, because there was a lot of motions at at the end of, of last night. And, and it was really uncommon to see Reed go in like this and i think what we got was more of a i'm not really taking anything back here john it it was more of a here's where i was coming from and i don't you know completely regret anything that i did say on sunday evening you know i i it brought to mind to me uh something that a lot of fans aren't aware of is that the 
coaches sit down with the officials before the game and have a conference with them about what it is they intend to do during the game. You know, we're going to play, we're going to run a play where we do X or Y or Z. And uh, so just be aware that that's what we're going to do. So you're not surprised by it. And, you know, that is what he's talking about. Having that relationship with the officials that you feel comfortable about telling them things like that. And in return, uh, in a situation where a player is taking uh, a, a liberty, <laughs> like the way he lines up, that the officials would would come to the head coach and say, hey, your guys are you know doing something wrong here, and we're going to have to flag it if you don't change that. Mm-hmm. Now, the official said that it was you know too flagrant for them. To, it was beyond giving a warning in the, the post-game presser, but I understand where Andy's coming from here. He's saying, you know, I've, I've got this relationship that I think works and it, and I wasn't getting it back from them in this game. Uh, so I, I understand where he's coming from and it does put a kind of a different perspective on the remarks he made on Sunday after the game. Yeah. There was a follow-up during the press conference. Uh, again, you could hear the whole thing in full on from the podium right here on the Arrowhead pride podcast network, because it was a little out of character for, read to go in on the officials you know in in previous Mm -hmm. situations we have seen him always say something to the extent of it's on me it's on my team we need to get better really doesn't blame the officials a lot so this was uncommon and here was his explanation for why he felt it was necessary to take the route that he did no i just listen i was just speaking what i thought was the truth and my intention was I've been doing this a long time. I think I've got a good relationship with the officials and I had no communication. That's all. I mean, that's really where I was coming from. I was disappointed in that part. You know, I know again, how much time and effort goes into it. I know how much I've got to sit in front of the media. I know how much our players have to sit in front of the media and do these, answer these questions. And and we, we try to make it the right way, try to do it the right way. So you know, that's all I, I just, that's, that's where I was with it. And I was just speaking what I thought was the truth. So there you have it. Uh, I, again, I think it's just a continuing a little bit nicer today, but in a, in a way it was just a, a doubling down of how he felt last night. It, it didn't really seem like a night of sleep. And sometimes you, we've all gone through this where you're angry one day you sleep on it and you say, well, maybe I shouldn't. No, there wasn't really a lot of that, uh, that I got from this. And I, I think you're right, John. I, I think sometimes outside looking in you know, fans, people who follow the game, look at it as, well, you just show up and you don't really talk to the officials prior to after the game. You know, no, these guys know each other. They know each other by name. Right. They work throughout mm-hmm. the game. And Andy Reid said that was completely lost. And I think that is what has been had really bothered Andy Reid by extension that had really bothered Patrick Mahomes is there was just no communication, no working relationship as Reid described. It seems like his frustration comes from this idea that ideally, right, the referees and coaching staffs and players are working together. So no flags have to be thrown in a game. And I think where he was upset was that attitude, that feeling, that uh, communication and working together to prevent as many flags as possible just was not there. And it was not there on the most important point uh, of the game. And to, to a point, regardless of how you feel about like you kind of understand where he's coming from, at least, even if you don't agree with it. Right. Like, I, I think you understand the point. I, 
I want to get to the key here, John, and then I'll, I'll let you weigh in. This changes a lot for me. This is uh, Andy Reid on the what what happened with, with Tony on the play. I think we saw a lot of discussion about the penalty, and there was a lot of um, stuff out there as to whether Tony looked at the official, whether he checked. People had checked the tape. It didn't really look like he was checking uh, with the sideline judge. And then Andy Reid was asked about this. What is the coaching point to Kadarius Tony so that this doesn't happen again? And and I think, I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know if he meant it, but he revealed a, a key point of this entire situation. Yeah. So listen, normally, normally he looks over to the sideline and just gets an okay. And on that one, he just happened not to. So that would be the coaching point. Just okay. make sure you check. Make sure you check with the guy on the on the side just to see if you're aligned. I mean, he's not lining up off sides on purpose. Um, and listen, he was two inches away from, from or an inch from being legal. Speaking of the enemy in Washington, there had been a, I think it was a last year early in the season, they all run together, but you know, that, that one play where McLaurin had looked over to the right, looked like he checked and got the okay. And then they threw it anyway. That was not this. And that changes a little bit where Tony actually mm-hmm. never yeah. checked. And and to a point, I, I think that gives the other side of this, the, the idea that he made a mistake and deserved the penalty uh, a lot more speed, uh, you know, in just in, in in having that point, John. You know, I think the the most interesting takeaway to this, I mean, these things are all important in terms of the narrative from this game. But um, the emphasis on Reed's relationship uh, and the coaches and players relationship with the officials, I think, is very valid. Yeah, I don't know if I've, if I've ever told you this story, but uh, one time in during the years I was in the press box for every Chiefs game, um, the official left his microphone on after mm. making an announcement, announcing a penalty. And for two or three plays, we could hear him in the press box. Up in the press box, they don't have an audio engineer who's turning down the feed from the official um, yeah. if they're not expecting him to be talking. It's just live all the time. And so he was talking constantly. He was joking with the players. He was kidding the players. He was clearly being friendly with them. And um, it was a perspective that was completely unknown to me. And then when they when he finally turned it off, we're all like, no, no, turn it back on. Because it was fascinating to get that uh, to get that perspective on it. And that's that is brought to mind today by mm. these remarks that Reed is making about, you know, the relationship that he has with the officials and that, that that was missing. Uh, and maybe, maybe this is an issue. This is what the issue with Carl Sheffers has been all along right. for all these years that he's just not, maybe he's just the, the one official in the league who doesn't have that kind of relationship with coaches and players. Yeah, who knows? It, it, I, I and like we're analyzing. We don't know Carl, but it does seem right. like he is in the business of calling penalties, whereas other groups, uh, other official groups, are in the penalty of trying to avoid calling mm, the penalty. Right? Like way it, to put it, yeah, yeah. It has seemed that way, and I, I don't know. I, I think this is a, a big change for the way I was feeling because I, you know, I, I was sort of really understanding Reed and Mahomes's points Sunday night when they were essentially saying, well, this is the norm. You know, the, the referee can tell him to to step back. And it, it seems like they're only going to do that if you check with them. They're not going to, like, manually. So Tony not looking over 
and seeing if he was onside or offside. I mean, he should be onside anyway. He's a professional, but not now not checking in the moment. That's kind of the player's fault in, in a mm-hmm. way. So it changes yeah. it a little bit for me. Anyway, uh, what I would tell you is that this doesn't matter now, uh, especially as you're listening to this on Monday. This will never happen again to Kadarius Tony. I mean, he's probably going to be checking twice. Uh, I would get. <laughs> I mean, if that's if this happened to me, that's what I would be doing. Uh, I would just be ultra careful, ultra sure that I was onside, especially for that big of a play in the game. Not that every play in the game doesn't matter, but man, if you have, are going to check once, it should be on uh, in this moment where you need points to either tie the game or or win it. And it's a shame. Uh, and that was something that uh, I mentioned in my rap initially after the game. It's a shame that that play is counted as a no play because uh, Patrick is right. He, and and I I'm saying he deserved the penalty, but Patrick is right. Uh, doesn't make an inch an inch of where you line up doesn't make a lot of difference in the play. And what was wiped out was this game winning potentially right because they would have got the ball with a minute. But we think game winning lateral pass by Travis Kelsey that would have been one of the wildest greatest plays in NFL history, and it it changes things uh, when it doesn't actually count. Right. Like I, what was the play last year? Didn't they score on the ring around a Rosie initially, but there was a hold. And right. It just kind of mm-hmm. takes away from the play. Uh, and that, that is a shame, you know, and I, I agree with that point, but I, I do think that there's a silver lining here where the chiefs will learn from this. Like they got to just stop being careless across the board and no greater example than, than this one. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it is a shame, but it's, you know, it's the way the game is played. If you, re- I tell you what, if you really want to know whether or not Kadarius Tony will ever be penalized for this again, whether he will con- start checking every time, we just need to find out if D Ford has ever been penalized for offsides since yeah. 2018. Yeah. Good question. I am curious of like watching next week's All 22, um, and I'm I'm sure we'll get to it. But there was an uptick in the snaps, and just seeing how often Tony checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah every single play you know, from this this point to the rest of his career it should be. I mean, if that, you know, if that's me in that situation, I'm looking. Sure. Yeah. Asking the referee, are you sure? And I'm even doing a double, <laughs> I'm doing a double ask. All right. Uh, that's that situation. Uh, no matter what, doesn't matter. Game's over. Now the chiefs dropped to eight and five and uh, are now looking at a, a tougher, tougher road to get the buy. Playoffs and the division still well in hand. They they own the division tiebreaker right now, which is uh, a good thing with the Broncos suddenly a, a game back. And so everything is still in front of you. You, know, you still have to play these games. I think they'll be playing on Wild Card Weekend. That has kind of changed in my mind a little bit because I, I just feel like now you're two games back. Uh, I feel like one of these teams ahead is going to find a way to figure it out. Um, but that, that isn't necessarily uh, written in stone. Uh, we've seen wilder things happen in the NFL, so... Should the Chiefs be able to take care of business the rest of the way? You never know what can happen. Maybe they find themselves back in a position to get that by. John, I noted this this morning on Twitter, and I'll read it here for you. The next uh, four quarterbacks the Chiefs will face, Bailey Zappi, Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning, and Easton Stick with the recent Justin Herbert injury. So here's the deal. If you don't go 4-0 against those quarterbacks, you don't even deserve the buy anyway. Right. So like you have Mahomes and you're going up against Zappy, O'Connell, Browning and stick. Do your part and just see what can happen here. Uh, well, that sounds make... like a law. That, that sounds like a law firm. 
Yeah, it does. It does. Zappy, O'Connell, Browning, and Stick, here for you. Uh, we have one news item that came from the Andy Reid press conference but before we close that aspect of the editor's show, and that is that Justin Ross uh, is back in the mix. This was unique. You covered this for us, John, because I was tied up on, on Friday. Uh, Justin Ross comes off the commissioner list and is slapped with a six-game suspension. But uh, because he missed uh, five games while on the commissioner's list, it was like a retroactive uh, mm-hmm. suspension. And so he ended up having to pay back. I don't – hopefully he didn't spend the money. He ended up having to pay back the Chiefs <laughs> yeah. or the NFL from the salary that uh, he forfeited from uh, the suspension. But now he's back in the mix. Uh, one of my questions to Andy Reid was just about – what are the reasonable expectations for Ross now that he is eligible to return to practice in the games? Yeah, we'll just see kind of where he's at. You know, it's um, physically and it's hard to be gone that long and just kind of jump right back in. So uh, we'll just have to see where, where he's at. It doesn't sound like he'll be playing much this week, but I, I this is what I think, uh, you know, my, my read speak there. I think he'll get a week back at practice being active on Sunday and then you know maybe there's a chance for you know what would be the next game yeah this is a very unusual situation um because the all of these things have little details to them and when you're on the exempt list um you get paid you can't play or practice but you can go to meetings you can be in the team facility. You can go and, uh, you know, get in the workout room. You know, you can do everything except practice and play and you get paid. And then when you're suspended, you have to, you know, you have to stay away. You're out <laughs> and and you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm assuming that what happened, I, I know people have this question. I'm assuming that what happened is that the chiefs knew that he was likely to have to credit some of this money back to an eventual suspension. And they advised him, save your money. So it probably wasn't a big deal. Um, that that either his agent or the team advised him, don't spend this money because you're very likely going to have to give some of it back. So that's something I would remind people about too. Like the NFL does like much like how the officials are supposed to be. The NFL does work with these teams about sure. Yeah is is expected here and what they're thinking. I mean, it's not like yeah. Brett Beach was not contacted by the NFL that along the lines of here's what we're thinking, here's what to expect and not sure. And there is a a staff in place with the Chiefs that helps players with this type of stuff. So, uh <laughs> you hope that he had the money to give back, I guess. Uh <laughs> and now uh he should be um like I said, I I expect he's back at practice this week. I don't, you know, I, I think he'll be on John's inactive list on on Sunday for that Patriots game, and then probably yeah. eyeing handful of snaps against the Raiders, and they'll see if they can get him into a position to have an impact for what will be the the postseason here. But Justin well, Ross but, but is back in the mix because he gets to go to meetings. Though I think that's one of the things that that factors into somebody being yeah suspended that isn't a part of the the issue here. Uh, because, well, I guess he couldn't go to any meetings over the weekend right. <laughs> for this last game, but otherwise he's been part of what's been going on at the facility. Uh, so he's been in the loop on plays they've put in and, uh, mm. discussions they've had in the, in the position group rooms no and practice so on and so forth, killer, you know, they, I mean, they talk about football shapes and so now it's like a re ramp up as well. I mean, it, yeah. and the chiefs yeah. one, like if, if you put this in the idea of, of how they handle injuries and players returning from injury, they, 
this is like a a uh a tendency that they've shown they they do the one week ease in and then it's like okay not, mm-hmm. like they just did this with nick bolton right one week ease you back in next week we'll get you ready to go so that's what i expect i mean i could be wrong here but that's ten i tend to think that's what's gonna happen no i agree i think it's unlikely he'll play uh in this first week back but I think it's not as high. I just, I'm just saying, I don't think it's quite as high a bar as it is for somebody who's playing, been suspended or injured. Yeah. Unless they're playing hardball with Bill Belichick. I <laughs> press, press hardball. All right. Uh, that's it for Andy Reid. Last time I'll remind you, you can go to From the Podium if you want to listen to the entire Zoom presser. From the Podium comes out four times a week. We'll also have the press conferences from Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday coming up. All right, John, when we come back, we will get into our marinated takeaways from this game. The Chiefs dropping a game to the Buffalo Bills. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, Steve Serta, helping us behind this virtual glass. He'll be joining us in probably like 10, 15 minutes or so for a brief roundtable. But first, we have our world-famous marinated takeaway, sometimes even more popular after a loss, and the Chiefs have had a lot of losses lately something we're not really used to john they have lost the last three out of the four games and the last four out of the six so some true adversity here as we get into throwing distance uh stonewise from the playoffs and so let's get into what maybe we had learned from this particular loss of 2017 l to the buffalo bills and we'll as we usually do start with your take john what do you got for us um i thought it was interesting yesterday that the chiefs offense actually looked pretty good except for the turnovers you know in that first drive they're going right down the field just like you would expect them to do uh early in the game like we've grown accustomed to them doing early in the game and they were looking great until what was almost a fluke interception um you know you don't often see a batted ball be you know caught by a defender uh, and it becoming an interception, certainly not by the guy who actually batted the ball. Um, And of course that's right on Mahomes. You're, you got to be responsible to see that that's about to happen and, you know, not throw the ball where it can be batted that way. Right. So it's all on him. I'm not saying that to, to take uh, responsibility away from Mahomes, but up until that moment, that drive was looking pretty good. And that was, Mostly true of the drive that ended with uh, Rasheed Rice's fumble as well. It didn't go on quite as long or get quite as far down the field, but the Chiefs are moving the ball. The Chiefs are going to have some drives that are four and outs and three and outs in a game because that's what happens in the NFL. But it's not as if the offense was just putrid 
all day on Sunday. They actually were able to move the ball. There was one case where they stalled in the red zone, which has been a problem. But in other cases, they didn't. And uh, so I was largely happy with what the offense did, except for the, the mistakes. I thought the offense looked good. I, I know that it only turned into 17 points, but I mean, it, it's been uh, it, it's been borderline miserable at times. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what's the frustrating part about this game is I, I thought it looked pretty good. I mean, I really did. I, you know, after that that initial uh, drive, you, you know, you, you started to say, say to yourself, OK, um, maybe this can work. It seemed like they were finally leaning into Tony, you know, I mean, whether that was a health thing. And, you know, we don't need to bring up that last part again, but I. It seemed like he was he was um, healthy enough to me to at least be a you know part of the offense. You have three straight punts, then finally you break through for that touchdown, uh, and then another touchdown after the break, and you ended up putting up 346 net yards. I mean, if you you look at the yards per game of the best teams in the league, that's that's probably within the top ten, and so that that's a pretty good offensive yeah. outing. And you broke through a little bit offensively. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it looked like the old chiefs. I'm not saying it's where they need to be or where they need to go, but it was Mm -hmm. good enough to beat the bills. And I I think that is what uh, was really frustrating. My merited takeaways today. I have one negative one and then I, I get back to positivity, but here's what, how I feel right now about, about this, uh, this chiefs bills scenario. I think it's a shame also. And here's my initial takeaway because it, it was a completely wasted, uh, brilliant performance from Jerry Seed and Trent McDuffie. I mean, mm, yeah. you look at this team, the only player that could really do damage because they were covering everybody else was James Cook, right? And like you, we've talked about this before, the Chiefs kind of sacrifice running back production sometimes, where it's like, you, know, you get yours, we're just going to make sure these guys who can't can really damage us aren't, aren't going to kill us. And I saw LeJerry Sneed on on Stefan Diggs for most of the night. I believe he only allowed one target when he was lined up on him, but altogether it was four receptions for 24 yards. They'll take that every time against Stefan yep. Diggs. And then even digging even further, Gabe Davis was held without a catch. Notice Trent McDuffie on him most of the night. And so you completely waste this performance by your slow start, uh, both offensively and defensively. And you kept the Bills alive. This was a bury the Bills game. I mean, they lose this game because of their lack of tiebreakers and all their AFC losses. They're pretty much done, right? Like you're not uh, going to come back from six and seven and find a way to make the playoffs, especially with all these eight and five and seven and six teams in the AFC. It just would have been too tall a task. And what you open yourself up for, because I, uh, a beacon of positivity, think that they can beat Easton Stick and the rest of the law firm the next four games. And I think that, that probably will open up the door for the chiefs to get the second seed. And you left the door open for this two, seven matchup against the Buffalo bills in the first round of the playoffs, which you never have to play in, but it seems like you probably could have to play in now uh, for a, you know, a wild card matchup. Now the bills have a tough road ahead and that's not a given, but I, you just left the door open. It's like, you leave, you know, um, you made, you made this beautiful Thanksgiving dinner and somehow you left the back door open and animals got in and just you know ruined it all. And so uh, you were right there to bury the Bills. The, how annoying have the Bills been over the years? You have these outstanding performances from probably the best tandem of cornerbacks in the NFL, top two cornerbacks, and Jerry Seen and Trent McDuffie against two really good wide receivers, two really good weapons, and you find a way to lose that game, uh, be it that final sequence or even just the slow start or just everything all together. I just think that's such a frustrating aspect of this one for me, John. 
I, I completely agree. Um, they were spectacular. And, uh, you know, to say that they were going to stop uh, Gabe and Stefan, I mean, what else do you need to do in order to beat the Bills? And, uh, you know, sure, James Cook uh, put up some scores in the put up that score in the first quarter mm-hmm. and had, what, 140 some yards in the game. And that's, you know, that's bad, but that's not enough to beat the Chiefs. I've no. said this many times. You know, uh, it'd be great to stop the run so that the passing game isn't effective, but the run by itself isn't going to beat the Chiefs, not the way the Chiefs have been constructed over the years. So I think that, uh, yes, this was an example uh, of the Chiefs saying, we don't really care what James Cook does. We don't and really that, care that they're emphasizing him because that's not going to matter to us. And just going back to that point, so like the Bills have the Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, and Dolphins left. Like, not a guarantee that they they themselves can win out, but I believe they're only within one or two points and they're spread against the Cowboys. So that's essentially a, a coin flip type of game. And they're hosting the Cowboys and the Cowboys as great as they looked last night against the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been a little bit up and down, especially early on in the year. Mm-hmm. They get that one. Like, I just don't like that. This could come back to the chiefs. So the chief, like, I, I really think they will be the number two seed at this stage. And so, Who's that number seven? And you've enabled the Bills to go on this mad tear. And like, let's say they are able to run the table. Are you going to really want to face a Buffalo Bills team after they've won five games in a row, including the one against you to start it in the bill in the same building? I, I just, I don't know. Mm. I think sometimes, especially against contenders, and the Bills are this contender who underperformed all year, bury them. And I, they, they weren't able to do it. Anyway, that's my negative uh, takeaway. I promise it gets more positive from here. Uh, John, uh, <laughs> let's go to your next one first. Well, I was also uh, frustrated by one aspect of the game, uh, but this was on the offensive side of the ball. How awful was the fact that the Chiefs put Kadarius Tony on the field in exactly the way that he is the most effective? They put him out there yeah. in an unusual play where he's out in space and is going to get the ball with nobody around him <laughs> and right. in all probability a way to work his way all the way to the end zone. And it worked. In fact, you mentioned the snow globe play before being overshadowed by the penalty. Kadarius Tony scored on that play too. And it was called back. It's the same kind of a situation. They found something that would really work for him and it worked. And then it's called back for a penalty in this particular case especially ironic because the penalty was against him yeah. before before the ball was even snapped so i mean that's just so frustrating um that that but it shows that the team recognizes uh that they can't just make him the number one wide out you know that they have to find the spots where he can help them the most and and that certainly was one i think yeah, I, I actually have a takeaway that that's picking bagging off that, and it, it does get into a little bit of the snap counts. But I, I think we've looked at wide receiver snap counts all year, especially because the wide receivers have been under the microscope. And I think each week we pull them up, and, like, you have one reason or another. Like, these, like, don't make sense. These continue to not make <laughs> sense. Like, what – are we bl- – like, are we blind? Are we just not football savvy? Do we not – and I thought, finally, the snap counts, how they came out in the wide receiver room last night, Made sense with what we've been seeing all year. So I'll read them to you quickly. Rice had 56. 20 more snaps than the next wide receiver. That is is what the Chiefs mm-hmm. should have. Yep. And the next wide receiver was uh, Justin Watson with 36. I know Justin Watson isn't the sexiest player, but you know what? 
they really trust him to run the routes. And so yeah. you understand why he is the, the second receiver on that list. Then it's Kadarius Tony and explosiveness and none of the rest of the receivers have. He gets 29 snaps. I really like that he was involved. And you could see the difference when he's touching the ball and he's healthy and he's able to do things that other receivers in the room can't. And 29 really feels like the sweet spot. I don't think he should be getting as many as Rasheed Rice because Rasheed Rice is very far and wide, the better wide receiver. And so 29 just behind Watson, that makes sense to me. Sky Moore and Valdez Scantling, they had 23 and 22 respectively, about the same. And with how disappointing they have been, they should have less than the rest of these receivers. Mm -hmm. And they have seen, they've shown uh, no sign of the Tony upside that maybe we've seen. And then even Richie James comes in at 11. Not great. I actually would like to see more from Richie James, but you still understand they're easing him back into the offense after he was injured. He had four snaps last week, so now he has 11. So it comes out Rice 56, Watson 36, Tony 29, Sky Moore 23, and Valdez Scantling 22. Valdez Scantling continues to disappoint. I think that should get less and less despite how much he makes. We've said that on the podcast before. And this seems to be, again, that sweet spot for the receivers. And I, 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 I'm annoyed by this game because the final sequence and all this hoopla with the press conference and the penalty and Mahomes at the ref, and it, it's kind of overshadowing that I think the Chiefs offense quietly made progress here and quietly mm -hmm. is making decisions yeah. that, at least in our eyes, are, are making sense. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear this after a, a, a gut punch loss and especially with how much losing the chiefs have been doing lately. But I, I think it really was a, a really big step in the right direction for this is the chiefs offense. Isn't going to be as great as previous championship teams, but serviceable, like good enough to where if the defense plays well for you, you could see where they can win a title, uh, now. Um, and nobody will be talking about that because of that disaster at the end no those are those are all excellent points and you've also of course ruined about two-thirds of my snap count report yeah, for later sorry in the show, i just but yeah. i think that's great <laughs> let's let's switch that on the fly if you have a quick snap count thing and then we'll have you <laughs> no, do something that, no, on the no, uh let's do no, the playoff picture at that point so we, we're yeah. still providing value but anyway yeah. i'm sorry Go that, that's okay um no i i i agree with you there and um and I had another point to make that I've forgotten, so we'll just move on. We'll get uh, we'll get back to whatever yeah. that point is when you think of it. But I <laughs> I'm just I'm very happy with the wide receiver rotation. I I think it's finally I don't know if it's like not 100 perfect yet, but we're in the we're in the ballpark. We're in that like 90 maybe that's just a a little tweak or two, and that's going to be the the ceiling for the Chiefs' offense. I know Justin Ross is coming back this week, and the Ross accounts are going to be the Justin Ross season. I, let's see what happens let's 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 wait and see what the what the chiefs do all right uh john your final takeaway here from uh this this loss against the bills yeah um i don't know this this is crazy maybe i'm seeing something that wasn't really there or something that i should have noticed a long time ago and didn't didn't pay enough attention to it but it seemed to me like chris jones was slow yesterday hmm. is that crazy he was often uh, in the backfield chasing after Josh Allen, and sometimes it seemed to me like he was just a step slower than I'm accustomed to seeing him. Now, does that mean something, or have I just failed to be observant in the past? You tell me. 
No, I, I, I think there's been some rumblings about that. Uh, I had a conversation last week with Carrington on the, the weekly thing I do with him on Wednesday, and he he mentioned something that it, it piqued my interest a little bit. And it's just the incentives that Jones could have gotten are, are out of reach at this point. And I, I'm not, you know, who knows what that means for the psyche of a player, but you just wonder, like, knowing in your mind that, okay, I'm not going to hit these incentives that are, that are going to get all of my salary back and knowing that the most important month of your life is coming up. And I'm not talking about the chiefs playoff run. It's probably after that, when this mm-hmm. is going to be the great, the biggest contract that you'll, you'll make as an, an NFL player. Yeah. I'm just asking the question. I'm not throwing an accusation out there, but you brought right. it up. And I, I think it does <laughs> enter your mind where it's like, are you being a little careful here? And you, I, I know that there's passionate Chiefs fans that, that will say, well, get him off the field. Well, even a little bit of lack of effort, Chris Jones, or lesser, it's probably still better than a lot of defensive tackles in the league. So what do you even really sure. do with that? And again, I'm not throwing an accusation, but you noticed something. We had said something last week. Who knows? Uh, and and in, if you can take yourself out of this hardcore Chiefs fandom, what would you do if you had potentially $90 million over the next three years on the table? Just think about it. I, and you've already won sure. championships. I, who knows? I, and so I, I I don't like to think that he would do that. To me, he's always been a passionate player, and he cares a lot about his teammates and his coaches. Um, but, you know, there you have to mention the exchange with Joe Cullen on the sideline. Joe Cullen... Right. I was caught on camera kind of yelling at Chris Jones and he slams the, those poor Microsoft surfaces. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the writing is. Maybe I have to uh, dial up chat GPT to come up with a script for me. But there is a Microsoft Surface commercial that could be aired during the Super Bowl. That would be really funny with like players you know, destroying them. the tablets. Yeah, yeah I don't know right. what the, the means is, uh, but that's like, that like that old Samsonite and commercial. Micro- from- if there's a Microsoft employee <laughs> listening, it was my idea first. <laughs> I'll, I'll come for you. Um, well, you know, I'll just make one point about Chris Jones and, and you're right. Yeah. There'll be people who are saying, well, we should sit him down. You know, if right. that's the way he's, if he's going to be making business decisions on the field, well, guess he what? Jo- that's well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. He joked about it in the press conference a few weeks ago. Like I'm not, yeah. this isn't coming out of thin air, right? You know? Yeah. So like, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. It, that's just not going to happen any more than, in, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to be, uh, cut or sat down right? or sky Moore is going to be cut or sat down. And this is what people are actually calling for now. I see this over and over on in the in the online universe. You know, we need to cut this guy. We need to cut that guy. We need to get rid of this coach or that coach. You know what? None of that is going to happen until the season's over. And that's why it's important. The point that you made before that MVS and Sky Moore are getting really low snap counts because that's what can happen at this point of the season. You know, you talk about body language and just feelings like there was a whole thing with Marquez last week in the locker room. And I don't know. I, I was watching his body language a little bit. I mean, he made a play yesterday and it was a, a fairly big play. I think it went for a first down and just mm-hmm. kind of yeah, no reaction, yeah. no acknowledgement to the crap. Like in me and to me, Marquez Valdez scaling like in his 2024 vision of what 2024 looks like, it is not in a chief's uniform. I think he already knows that. Yeah, that's probably and right. You can just, get that sense um anyway uh last uh marinated takeaway 
And uh, and I think this is a positive if you're really digging for a silver lining. But I, I do think there's something to this. I think this is a band together, F the world situation. <laughs> and, you know, you've seen the great teams uh, of yesteryear always do this and almost to a point where it's made fun of. I remember the Julie Edelman, Julian Edelman Patriots, where it was just like everyone's doubting us. And the Chiefs got a little bit um in trouble with some media members last year because they had that everything Dallas thing. And, and then there were examples of how people pick the cheat. Anyway, now there's, there is going to be doubts here. Uh, the legitimate ones, right? You're, you're eight and five. Now uh, the offense is still not perfect. Uh, the defense has been good, but now you've had these couple weeks where there's been some slow starts. So there's going to be people, be people saying, okay, th- this whole chiefs thing, at least for this year is over with. And I think, and this is just reality. I think Mahomes and Reed um, ticked off a lot of other fan bases uh, last night with with the tirade. Mm. I I saw a thread earlier this morning on X of all the times that the Chiefs got calls for them and stuff like that. Whatever. I think it's actually a good thing when it comes to competitive psyche. Of now we're kind of the villains, and you can see on because of the reaction to what Mahomes and Reed said, just how many people are really sick of the chiefs. And I think there is a, let's play these next four games that, that should be wins. You know, we mentioned the quarterbacks, let's play these next four games. Let's take our seed and let's go win on the road. And, you know, you want to root against us, root against us. And I think they can really embrace that. Mahomes is actually pretty good on the road. I know that people are panicky about this one seed thing. Um, but I, I really think there's a band together moment that can stem from this game. And we'll see if the, the chiefs grab onto that, latch onto that. And it, and it makes a difference. The odds right now, for the Super Bowl, Vegas doesn't react as much as fans do uh, because I I noticed this this morning uh, and I, I wrote uh, this was as of one o'clock. I tweeted this out at one o'clock. The uh, Chiefs are still the fifth best in the odds to win the championship. They're they're only behind the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are uh, plus 600 and the Eagles and Ravens are plus 650. The Chiefs and the Cowboys are just behind that. So the Cowboys who looked like the upcoming Super Bowl champions last night against the reigning defending champions, the uh, NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles, they have the same odds as the Chiefs right now at plus 750. And so, I don't know. There's a there's something here where uh, if, if Vegas isn't ready to, to write off the Chiefs completely, I don't think anybody should. You know what? It reminds me of 2015 when the Chiefs started 1-5. and five. And I believe it was against the Chicago Bears that Jamal Charles was lost for the season. And people were like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. the season is over. Now, we're much farther along in the season, of course. Right. And it is not nearly as long a string of games. But the Chiefs didn't lose the rest of the season until the playoffs uh, and won their first playoff game in, you know, 22 years or whatever that streak had been up to that point. I, I always forget what that was. But. They were amazing over that last stretch of the season. And it was just that kind of situation where Andy Reid demonstrated how well he was able to rally his team, his players in a situation that was just bad. I don't know that we're quite at that one and five point, but, you know, losing four games out of six is a pretty bad place to be. And it might very well be that this is something that, that could happen that the chiefs could suddenly wake up and become the champions that we thought they were going to be. 
We'll see. It, it it does make the the last stretch a lot more interesting now to see if the Chiefs can rebound here and, and win the four games they're supposed to and give them the best possible chance for a, a higher seed here. And speaking of those expectations, we're going to do a brief roundtable now. And I'm curious about this because this seems like a plant your flag in it moment for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to welcome Steve back into the, the mix here. So my question to you in a, in a brief roundtable here is, is what were your preseason 2023 expectations for the Chiefs and have they changed? If so, what are they now? Steve, you haven't talked all show, so we'll go to you first. And I preseason expectations were that they were going to be the Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. Um, they have changed, but I, I don't think that like I, I'm not totally jumping ship here. Uh, it, it's bad right now. And I picked the Bills to win this week uh, because I was just saying like the Chiefs haven't hit rock bottom yet. And I think they need to hit rock bottom to realize that they've really got to change some things because what they're doing isn't working. Now, with the way that they reacted at the post-game press conferences and everything, I don't know if this is rock bottom yet. Um, that, that seemed like that to me seemed like a team that's still in denial uh, about really where they are this season. Uh, so I don't know if this is enough to catapult them. I still think that they're a contending team in the AFC because I think that there is no dominant team in the AFC. I think the Ravens have the best case for it, but uh, everyone else is all just kind of lumped into the same group together. So I think this side of the conference is still wide open. But if you ask me if any team in the AFC could go up in a Super Bowl and beat the 49ers, Cowboys, or Eagles right now, I'd tell you no. Like I, I think yeah. those are the three best teams in the NFL, and I don't think it's very close. So – I don't think the Chiefs are in the same ballpark as those teams. Um, maybe they can improve as the season goes on, but generally just this year, they're, they're like what they're trotting out there on offense isn't going to put them in the same class as those teams in the NFC. So I still think they're a contending team for sure, but I don't think that this team can win a Super Bowl the way they're currently constructed. Hmm. Um, any chance that we should we should all go out to Arrowhead this afternoon and stage an intervention? What do you think, guys? Just the th <laughs> just the three of us sit them John, all down and say, "Here's the deal." <laughs> have your expectations changed, John? Um, a little bit. Uh, I wrote up our playoff uh, situation this morning for ArrowheadPride.com, and I pointed out that uh, you know we probably can no longer reason realistically expect the Chiefs to get the number one seed or win the Super Bowl, it's still possible the Chiefs can't and shouldn't give up because they still have a, a way to do it. But uh, the probabilities have gotten low enough that it's just not reasonable to say, yeah, we can, we could, this, this could easily happen because it's, we're past that now. Um, but what is really interesting to me, and I noted this in the article, uh, is that although the Chiefs chance to get the top seed of the AFC has been cut in half actually more than cut in half with this loss on sunday the odds of winning the super bowl the chance of winning the super bowl decreased from nine percent to eight percent it really didn't change that and what that says to me is that it's not as hard this year to get through that extra wild card game than it might be in other years and so it you know, if the Chiefs don't get the the number the number one seed, no big deal. They'll just have to take a different route to get there, and maybe they can. 
I don't know. I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I expected more out of the team this year. I think that's fair. You know, it's not over, but I'm just not as confident about it as I started out. Yeah, I, I said that I thought the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl in the preseason. I actually, when I do my predictions that I put out on, on my ex account, I actually had them as the number two seed, which is still very possible. I, I thought mm-hmm. because the Jaguars had an easier road with their division that they would be the first seed. Uh, didn't foresee in my crystal ball the injury to Trevor Lawrence, so it seems like that's out of the equation right now. Uh, I think I think the Chiefs win the second seed. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be an unpopular opinion today. I just look at the remaining schedules for the the Dolphins and the Ravens, and I look what the Chiefs have ahead. And if they get through that that first game, I'll remind you that in 2021 they had the second seed and had to play in the wild card round, and then Titans lost uh, in 2021, and they were still able to host the AFC title game at Arrowhead. So you might be looking four weeks from now where there's only be one team that if they were to advance and you were to advance that you'd have to go play the AFC title game in their building, which would be a change from the last five years, but. We've seen Patrick Mahomes on the road. And so I know it sounds crazy, but I've seen progress from the offense. I think the defense has been good enough and they can fix the slow starts. And so I'm with Steve. I think the the AFC is still so wide open that I like the Chiefs in the AFC. What might change, uh, and again, similar to Steve, is, man, uh, there's nobody in the AFC, including the Chiefs, that looks like the juggernaut powerhouse that the San Francisco 49ers do Agreed. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think even after last night just the offense and that the the Cowboys have um really really impressive. Uh it's fortunate that those two teams will probably have to play each other at some point, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that they're in the same conference so you don't have to really worry about one of them, but if we're, we're we're thinking, you know, deep down the line, hard for me to wrap my head around the Chiefs being able to beat one of those teams. But again, uh back to Andy Reid's point from last week, I didn't feel this way when the 49ers were losing three games in a row before their bye week. So maybe we feel right. completely mm-hmm. different about this four weeks from now. So I'll, I'll say that my uh, expectations uh, have changed slightly. So I think we're all kind of on the same page in that sense. We're not, we're not, we're not waving up the white flag on the editor show quite yet, but we are waving up the white flag on this segment. When we come back, John will have whatever snap count takeaways I didn't <laughs> remove from him. the uh, playoff picture stuff, and we'll look at the current odds against these New England Patriots. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, only a few minutes left here, John. So let's scrape the battle, uh, the barrel of for those snap count takeaways that I <laughs> I didn't ruin, and whatever else that you want to say about the playoff picture as it stands. Uh, yeah, we'll start with the running backs. Uh, with uh, Pacheco out, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire was the starter in the game, but and he had uh, the highest juice he's seen all year, forty eight percent of the snaps. But Jarek McKinnon had 45%. That's also his highest use of the year. Now, what that says is that the Chiefs didn't use Edwards-Alaire in quite the same way they have been using Pacheco. 
Um, McKinnon was on the field for more snaps than he would be normally with Pacheco. Uh, and that's not that surprising, I suppose. And, you know, certainly in previous seasons, Pacheco has gotten most of his use towards the end of the year. So maybe this was the game where they took the leash off of him. It was just, you know, happened to be the time that Edward Zillair was playing. Um, and then Daneric Prince, who got no snaps on either offense or special teams last week after being elevated to the active roster from the practice squad, again, didn't get any offensive snaps, but played on 20%, 21% of the special team snaps. So at least they found a way for him to get on the field. Um, that would That would be terrible. I think if you were an NFL player on a practice squad to get elevated for a game and then they didn't even put you out there. The game, would, the game, the game check isn't terrible, so we don't have to feel too well, bad. Well, sure. But I, I still think that would, I still think that would be, awful be disappointing. To, yeah. A little to bit put the uniform on yeah. and just sit on the bench for the whole game. I mean, you know, Blaine Gabbard expects that to happen. Right. But you know, if you're a running back, uh, you, you expect to at least to get some snaps somewhere doing something, you know, um, Nick Bolton back at a full load, 92% of the snaps. Uh, he would normally get a little more than that, but that's close enough that we could call it, it like a full he came load. up for that one series after it was a little shaken up, but yeah, kind of like he went right back in and Cochran yeah. filled in at, at Mike, uh, for, for that series. And he had yeah. I, just 7%, I think was the number he had of snaps. Um, uh, Jalen Watson. Uh, back to being the main third qu- cornerback after a week where he and Williams split snaps again. <laughs> but right. uh, yesterday, Watson had 45% and uh, Williams had just 5%. Um, Reed and uh, Mike Edwards, Justin Reed and Mike Edwards were the starting safeties. That's not particularly surprising, although um, some people might have expected Chamari Connor to have a shot at that. He, in fact, was the third safety in this game. He got 53% of the snaps and 88% of the special team snaps. He got quite a lot of work in yesterday's game on two different phases of the game. Uh, those are the things that that popped out to me looking at the snap counts. All right, really quickly, John, uh, what is the percentage right now on the Chiefs to t- take the, the first round by? How did that change? It's now 11%. Yeah, so that's out of it. Yeah, and it was 24% before. And at 24%, you know, one time out of four, okay, that's that's reasonable. But it's been more than cut in half now at 11% by losing this one ball game. But like I said, it didn't really change the the chance that the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl all that much, which I found really surprising. I thought, you know, when I sat down to look at it this morning that it was going to be 4% or something on the Super Bowl. And it went from okay. nine to eight, you know. Well, so. it starts uh, It starts in New England on Sunday. Remember, they changed this game from a Monday night football game all right. the way up to noon Arrowhead time really quickly. It's a it's a 10-point um, disparity right now. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites even as they go on the road. A lot has to do, I think, with the quarterback and just where these two franchises are at. We'll see if it moves as we go. That, of course, is presented by... DraftKings Sportsbook. So we yapped away. We hope you feel better, as our, our one uh, friend said uh, in, in the email reviews. If you want to leave us a review, we will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. If you want to get a gift for your favorite Chiefs fan, you can go on Triumph Book Books, triumphbooks.com or Amazon. A Dynasty Begins. We're hoping it continues. I mean, I, I don't know about this year, but we're hoping it continues here. <laughs> Uh, don't forget to stick with the Arrowhead Pride 
podcast network throughout the week as we get you ready for Chiefs and Patriots. We'll have all the injury reports and all the previews up at arrowheadpride.com. Thank you to Steve for joining us. Thank you to our new executive editor, John Dixon, for his contributions to this program. My name is Pete Sweeney. We hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.